2: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
3: well a positive friday how are you welcome to the jason gregor show on sports 1440 live on oilers nation youtube uh, we say hello to you as always uh, thanks for listening hopefully you're warm stay warm It is gross cold. Like, there's not a lot of times where I'd say it's gross cold. Today is gross cold. You uh, see vehicles breaking down all over the place. And if you come across anybody who's stranded, uh, definitely help them out. Because uh, today is not the day that you want to be uh, sitting in your vehicle for any length of time without any heat on. So uh, wear your boots. I got the boots. I got a blanket. I always have a blanket in the back. And uh, the gloves and everything else. Just in case. Even Belclava through the bell clav in the back just in case. Uh, the Gregor Show is always presented to you by PlayAlberta.ca where, hey, you want to get in the game, man, they got everything. You got NFL weekend. whoo baby. Host of games, six to be exact, and it gets going tomorrow and ends on Monday. Uh, who do you like? How about Joe Flacco? Did you know? That Joe Flacco can set the NFL record for most road playoff wins as a starting quarterback. He's currently tied with Tom Brady at seven. So the uh, Browns come in, they're pretty good. Houston's got a lot of excitement, no question about it. And uh, we'll see. We'll see if uh, CJ Stroud, the rookie, can continue. Uh, great. That to me is the uh, intriguing game of the weekend. Now, the, the weather in Kansas City, ooh, Miami, how are they going to handle it? It's going to be minus 4 Fahrenheit, which is about minus 19, minus 20 Celsius. That's chilly. Now, remember when all the people who like to rip on the CFL, they got to start the season early. They can't play playoff games in the cold. Yet they're crickets when you see games like this in January. And trust me. Buffalo, Green Bay, Philadelphia. There's lots of places that get cold. Okay. So now, Casey, this is a little uh, abnormal. And, and I think it's going to impact the game significantly. So that's something to watch for as well. Will it, uh, uh, you know, the Miami guys, that is tough. You play in Miami all year long and now you got to go there where it's going to be like minus 20 Celsius. That's Chile. Is anybody going to be Doug Flutie? You know, their hands freeze up. They just can't play. We'll see. You know what's not cold right now? The Edmonton freaking Oilers. Rolling! They go into Detroit, and I know that was a 0-0 game after 40 minutes only because Lyon was excellent in goal for Detroit. The Oilers, to me, another full marks for their victory. Needed overtime. Darnell Nurse, the overtime winner. Evander Kane had a goal call back, which was the right call on the ice. It was a clear glove pass. Not on purpose, but still, the last... Person to touch it was Derek Ryan with his glove. Uh, He tried to get his stick on, he didn't, and then Kane scored. Would have been a huge goal for the Orders. But uh, ultimately, you know, the, the extra point for Detroit doesn't really impact Edmonton in the standings, but they get their two points. They have now tied the franchise record at nine for consecutive victories, and they will have a chance tomorrow to become the 26th franchise in NHL history to have a winning streak of 10 games. The Orders have never had one. And you know what? Maybe geography is a small reason why. In the history of the NHL, Connor Halley, there are 63 10-game winning streaks. That's it. 63 times a team has won 10 in a row. 46 are by Eastern Conference teams. Only 17 from uh, Western-based teams. And actually, you know, doing the, the research, Vancouver's only ever had two winning streaks of eight games, one eight or 110. That's it. So uh, I do wonder if travel has, it's not the only reason, but I wonder if it's a small part of the reason for sure. Cause uh, everybody knows the Western teams, their travel, it's way more, but uh, the orders right now are rolling. Anybody betting against them tomorrow night against Montreal? The Habs just lost to the Sharks. So the Habs are going to be annoyed, make no mistake. But did you see not only Zach Hyman's reaction when he scored what was the the 2-1 go-ahead goal, but look at his reaction on the Darnell Nurse overtime goal. Don't tell me that this doesn't mean something to the players. Of course it does. Because last year, when they won nine in a row, they didn't have a chance to go for 10. Because the season ended. It was game 82 when they won their ninth in a row. So... You're all, you want, you look for any little different motivation. And trust me, this will be big motivation. Do something that the great orders of the eighties have never done. The Doug Waite era, the Ryan Smith era, Chris Pronger era, you name any of the eras. They've never won 10 in a row. So, and more importantly, the orders gain another point on the LA Kings. They're now three back of the Kings. They stay eight back of Vegas with four games in hand, but they're closing in. They are closing in and still got a pretty favorable schedule the rest of this month. Montreal tomorrow, where all 32 teams, by the way, are in action. A 16-game slate. What a busy set. This is perfect for fans in Western Canada because you're like, do I want to go outside? That might be the day where you say, son, daughter, do you want to watch the games with dad? No problem. We will hunker down. Now, I know it's minor hockey week, so there's got the game, so that gets you out of the house, so that's nice. But this is not one of those days where you're like, hey, and trust me, I'm a little bit old school. We played outside lots as kids. To me, minus 15, 18, even minus 20, I don't care. Put a bell, clob on, you can play outside. You get to minus 29, minus 30, I'm like, eh, all right. I see the dog uh, come out of the house today, kind of looks at me like, are you joking? That was the, she, she could have been on the pit crew for F1. She was in and out, no hesitation. Whether it was number uno or deuce, it was quick for old Maidmeister today. I was dying laughing. It was just like a sprint. <laughs> They're not stupid. She's like, are you kidding me? And she loves being outside. Like, she'll stay outside. Even minus 10, she'll stay in the backyard. And she's a little small Cavalier. But today, it was just like, are you joking? This is brutal. It's terrible weather. So, But uh, the orders are warming up the hearts, I would think, of the Edmonton owner fans. Because they're good. Two months ago, oh, some order fans, you know what? Uh, they wanted Skinner. He was never going to be good. right? They wanted to trade everybody. Get rid of Ryan McLeod. Right, go down the list of who they wanted to get rid of. Look at the orders right now. Like, Take a step back and say, okay, where can they upgrade? Because they can always upgrade for sure. I know there's lots of talk about Cody Ceci. Okay, but who are the options that are realistic to get? Is Chris Tanev... That significant of an upgrade in your eyes. And is Calgary going to take Cody Cece in return for Chris Tanev? Because that's what you'd have to do to get Chris Tanev. Right? Cece's got a year left. They might. Cece's a pretty solid defenseman. But is Tanev that much better in your eyes? I'd be curious. 833-401-1440. Text us in our inbox. 833-401-1440. You can always... Uh, Email us Gregor at sports1440.ca because right, there's not a Matt Dumba, Middleton people mention. I'm like, really? Are you sure they're that big of an upgrade? Then you go to the goaltending, James Reimer. Everybody, oh James Reimer. I'm like, yeah, James Reimer is around. Go look at Detroit's numbers this year. When Lions in goal, they're now eight four and one. He's got over a 920 save percentage. And around a two, uh, 2.6 goals against average. You look at Billy Huso, James Reimer behind the exact same team, and they're both sub 900. So, what is it? Does the team magically play better when it's lying? Because let's be honest, did you watch the game last night? Do you think Detroit really stifled the orders, or did their goalie keep them in the game? So, now the orders. They've really improved. And, we, and we're going to talk about it today, but they don't give up a lot right now, man. It is, it's honestly like I get it as I'm watching because I said it two months ago. I said, it. I'm not really going to believe in the owners till they can show me for two months that they can play defense. And now for two months, they play defense. They got the fourth best goals against average in the last two months. What the hell's going on? They're not giving up. The, they've completely eliminated their main weakness. I shouldn't say completely because everybody does every now and then, but severely reduce their main weakness, which is gifting easy goals, making the glaring error. Can you think the last time? Now you might miss a coverage. That's to me, that's not a glaring error. That's the game. The game's fast here. I'm talking puck on your stick, soft play, giveaway, toss it up the middle, right? Or you know what? Uh, it's a very simple read, and you're you're cheating out. You're pinching at the wrong time. When was the last time you saw that from the orders? Can you recall one, Cons? Can you look at the goal? like look at the goals against last night? The second goal, you know, it's a sharp angle shot. It goes off nurse's foot. There's nothing wrong there. It goes in the back of the net. You're like, all right. What do you want? I and I know some people are like, but I didn't love the first goal. But what about the save on the blocker when it was one nothing before the McDavid goal? I don't care if you don't like the first goal. That's got to even it out right there. That was a hell of a save to get the blocker on it, then goes off the post. Uh, crossbar and then the post and out. But if you don't get a blocker on that, it's two, nothing. And maybe the game's over know, So Pickard as a backup, if your backup wins games and he has a, an above 900, say percentage overall, you're doing cartwheels in 2024. You're doing cartwheels. That's what you want. And uh, that's all the that Pickard's doing right now, right? He is not a dominant goalie, but he's not making mistakes. He's not costing you games. He keeps you in the game. And at times it's a little bit difficult to be an order goaltender right now because suddenly you're not facing a barrage of shots, excluding the Chicago game. But Collins, can you think of one?
4: Trying to think, I mean, n- not really. And I, I know that there's nitpicking. and We saw it, I believe, in the last game. And uh, I saw some fans getting after Nurse, uh, you know. But like you said, it's it's a fast game. Things happen. I I try not to look at it necessarily as an oiler fan because if you do that, you're just going to complain about everything. But then you would have to do that on the flip side when the Edmonton Oilers make a good hockey play, and you're you know looking at it the other way. Oh well, why didn't he slow down Connor McDavid or Leon Drysaddle? Good players make good plays. That's going to happen. Like you said, though, I don't think there's been too many glaring big defensive mistakes because we saw a lot of them. There was that stretch to start off the season, Gregor, where it was like two or three a game, and it seemed to always lead to goals in the back of the Oilers' net. But no, I think they've cleaned it up tremendously in their own end, uh, allowing goals against those are going to happen, but not quite to the extent that we had seen previously.
3: Now, Gregor, Tannen's a massive upgrade. Skates better. He has been known as a great shutdown D man for years. Reminds me of Larson Brad. Uh, Brad, I don't think he skates better. I- I've watched Chris Tannen a lot the-, the last few years. I like Chris Tanev, right? And he's a warrior, blocks a ton of shots. But honestly, if, if you crunch the numbers a lot, I'm not sure the upgrade is there on what it might cost to get Tannen. Right? You got to, you got to ship out CC number one. Which I'm not sold. Like Calgary, if they're trading talent, they might want younger prospects. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. And maybe Calgary, if they stay in the hunt, they might not even trade him. We'll see. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not sold. It's a massive upgrade. It might be a slight upgrade, but I'm not sure it's a ma- well, actually, I'm pretty confident it's not a massive upgrade for sure. Hey, boys, was, uh, adding Paul Coffey the best move of the season from Andrew? Well, man, when you listen to his players talk about him, uh, him and Chris Knobloch have come in. And uh, they've really built the confidence of the group. Now, the Orders had won games before. We saw that, right? We saw it last year down the stretch. What well, they win? 14 of their last 15 games? We've seen it before. But this team's consistency defensively, and the number one thing that hasn't proved that wasn't consistent is the penalty kill under uh, Manson and Woodcroft. Penalty kill wasn't this consistent. There's, you just you can't argue it. Go look at the numbers. Right, look at the whole ten year of Woodcroft. That was the one area that wasn't great. Now that's not a knock. I'm just that's just a fact. But uh, Paul Coffey, the defenseman, did not play like this last year. the The puck moving, the willingness to try to make plays—they don't all work. I don't expect them to. But hell, did you see Vincent DeHarnay in the offensive zone last night? One timing a puck. I think that's the first time I've ever seen it. He's up in the play, and you know, you you listen to Darnell Nurse. On his interview on on TNT, talking about Paul Coffey and just, you know, what a difference it's made in, you know, really just, you know, not only talking about making plays, but showing you, here's where you make the play. Cause hey, what did Coffey do? He knew how to make plays. He just did, right? And it's worked. The owners have skill, but his communication and his assertiveness and them wanting to make plays has, uh, has made a big difference for certain. Guys, should we rethink the goalie situation? Pickers making a strong case to keep him from uh, Marty McFly. It's possible, but again, it all depends on who and what the return is. I, I could see maybe if they look at it, but I can also understand when you look around the league. And well, there was two more goalies hurt again last night. You're better off maybe sticking with what you know. You know what you've all, you do have Rodriguez and Campbell in the minors. Worst case scenario. Right? Or maybe best case, depending on if one of them comes up and finds lightning in a bottle, you never know. So when I look at the backup goalie situation today, like James Reimer, to me, I'm not sold on James Reimer. I'm not. So which other backups would I look at? That's, and I've started to kind of research it. The Edmonton owners have time. They're in no rush to do it. Why do you have to? You know, you can wait closer to the deadline, prices will come down. Right. It's you know you, you have more room because you're accruing cap space. There's lots of benefits, for sure, for sure. Hey guys, should the credit go to Paul Coffey for improving, improving the defensive play? It seems the entire team in all facets has improved since the coaching change. Ricky in the donut. Well, don't don't overlook the head coach. I I, I don't Paul Coffey big name. I, I didn't cross Chris Knobloch. You know there were some things that he wanted to put in place. And it was interesting because Chris Knobloch said if you look, they were three and three in his first six games. But if you look at since then, right, and Knobloch said he probably felt like it would take six, eight games to kind of make it his team. He can't make changes instantly. Right. And and like he said, there were some things he really liked that Woodcroft had put in place. He wasn't going to change it. Why would you? It's working. It was good. I think the biggest one is there's been a real emphasis on making plays all over the ice. You don't just see the orders dump and chase. What to me, because there was some dump and chase that was just a waste of possession. You got nobody going, oh, I dump it in. Now, if you're changing, okay, maybe. But how often will you see an order forward try to carry the puck in and make a play? All right, stop inside the blue line, shield us back to the play, you know, just wait. Rather than just dump it in the corner, the other team gets it and boom, they're out. I love it. Puck possession, man. It's the name of the game today. You have to be a sitting back and being defensive rarely wins in today's NHL. So, Ricky, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Hey, Gregor, what's your thoughts on Corey Perry? Well, Brad, I'd have, i really have no issue if the orders went after Corey Perry. I could see why they would. Here's this simple trade and this simple exchange. I asked the question, is Corey Perry on right wing an upgrade on Connor Brown? Now he's not on the penalty kill, but they have other guys who can kill penalties, right? I'm not I'm not saying Connor Brown can't be traded or upgraded because he plays two minutes a night on the penalty kill. Like, come on, you can't convince me of that. You have lots of other guys you could use on the penalty kill if need be. So, um, yeah, but I think there's going to be lots of teams interested in Corey Perry, especially because you're you're probably going to get him at league minimum, right now. He's going to pick a team that he thinks can win. And right now, you'd be a fool to think the Orders can't win. Now, they're not the favorite, but they can win. I-, I think that's obvious. They can win. Hey, guys, did you see the shot where McDavid was pushing the guys on the bench? I've never seen him be that vocal from Cal. Yeah, I did see that one. But uh, you know what? McDavid's, I-, I think the last year and a half, McDavid's really come into his own, which isn't surprising. Right? I, I, Connor isn't naturally a big vocal person. You can't change your personality just because they slap a C on you at 19 or 20. Right? You are who you are. But you grow and you evolve and, you know, you probably become a little bit more confident in your voice and how you want to say things. And he was usually a, a guy who would lead just through his actions. Anybody can see, oh, that 97, he looks like he's trying hard. It's not hard to do. But... He is he he is highly competitive. I, and I watch the orders right now, like like Zach Hyman's reactions last night to his goal and then his reaction on the nurse goal. Like, you know, hey, you score overtime, it's a nice goal. I get all that, but there is just a little extra juice in that game. Uh, you know, they tie the franchise record, they want to keep rolling. Why not? You imagine for a second if the orders win their final seven games <laughs> before the all star break. Now that and I know before you say I'm crazy, because trust me, I know it's rare. There's only been four 15-game winning streaks in NHL history. The Islanders and Penguins had 15. The Columbus Blue Jackets won 16 in a row. And the 1993 Penguins have the NHL record at at 17. But the Orders win tomorrow. and, And to me, they're heavy favorites tomorrow. Now, then their next two games are probably the toughest of their six remaining. You got Toronto on Tuesday, which is always a good crowd. It's loud. Oiler fans get really loud. They try to drown out the Leaf fans. It's great. It's great atmosphere. And then you got Seattle, who's rolling. How about this right now? Oilers, winners of nine in a row. Florida just won their ninth in a row last night. Seattle tied their franchise record with their eighth consecutive win last night. And the Winnipeg Jets set their franchise record with their eighth consecutive win last night. You got four teams who have won eight or more games in a row. Now, the NHL record for most 10-game winning streaks in one season is four. Set in 2017 and 2022. But to have four essentially overlapping at the exact same time never happened. Now, you had three in 2017 that, uh, that all happened uh, over, uh, they started within, I think it was six days of each other, seven from the uh, 27th of November till December 4th. And then they roll 10 gamer, 12 gamer, and a 16 gamer from Nashville. So, you know what? It's rare. But the Orders could set a franchise record on Saturday. Seattle could set a set franchise record on Saturday. Winnipeg could extend their franchise record on Saturday. And Florida could get to, uh, to double digits for the third time. Their franchise record's 13, second highest being 12, and now they're tied for the third highest at nine. So it's, uh, it's fun times. we got a lot of texts to get to. 833-401-1440. Also, hey, do you want to go to the game on Sunday? It's going to warm up a little bit. But speaking of a team that's hot, Connor Halley, the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, not in action tonight, but they're on the road tomorrow. And then they're home on Sunday against Spokane. Is that right?
4: Yes, it is. Yes, Sunday at 4.
3: So uh, we have four low seats, courtesy of our friends at Epcor. Now, they always remind you, Once the uh, cold snap and everybody's back outside, you know, it's cold out. It's great. Everything's frozen. Do not go on storm ponds, okay? The water underneath it is always moving. It's active. And sadly, people can fall through it, okay? So that's the message from Epcor. But they want you to have fun on Sunday. They're going to send four low seats, great seats, to the game on Sunday. If you want to go, text in with your full name, first and last, and your email, and uh, we will pick a winner, 833-401-1440. It's a positive Friday edition of The Gregor Show on Sports 1440, presented by playalberta.ca. 225 on a positive uh, Friday. How are you? It's a positive Friday. Of course, uh, our thoughts still with the uh, short John Shorts family and uh, Robin Brownlee's fa- family. And, you know, all the listeners, I know yesterday was a very emotional day for uh, for many of us. And sometimes it's uh, it's cathartic to, uh, to talk about it and get it out there. Uh, discuss it, um, some cases maybe uh, have a little cry, but uh, it's all good, nothing wrong with it at all. Let's um, go around the NHL now, brought to you by McDonald's, and uh, McDonald's restaurants in Edmonton are uh, independently owned and operated a uh, true part of the fabric, and they are huge sponsors of uh, Quick Cards uh, Minor Hockey Week, this, uh, this for the next, uh, 12 days, uh, all families that receive the free coffee participate in McDonald's in the greater Edmonton area. I know, hey, I don't drink coffee, but those who do rave about Mickey D's coffee. So, uh, all local owners and operators can be behind Edmonton Minor Hockey Week at McDonald's. Eric Engels uh, joins us from uh, Sportsnet in Montreal. The uh, Habs hosting the Oilers tomorrow, and uh, Eric, I'm sure today uh, people in uh, Montreal and aren't overly ecstatic because uh, they lose to the uh, the lowly Sharks. The Sharks end a 12 game losing streak uh, last night, uh, but overall, you know, this start to the season for Montreal, it seems like it's it's there's there's been more positives overall than negatives. Is that fair?
5: I think it's fair considering what happened at the beginning of the season. First of all, it's good to speak to you, Jason, and also you know, extending my condolences to the families of these two gentlemen that I didn't know all that well, but certainly knew of and, and knew a little bit and uh, very sad news out of there. And when we lose members of our community, um, it has reach all the way uh, across the country, here included. Um, back on the Habs and what you asked me, um, yeah, it's been relatively positive in that they've been able to take a step forward despite another year of, some pretty crippling injuries getting in the way of what should be progress and they haven't let that stunt their growth. That said, a little two-game slide here against Philadelphia and yes, the lowly fan Day Sharks, I don't think it matters as much that they lost to the Sharks or even Philadelphia, which has been a pretty good team this year. I think the way they did it is what they have to be concerned about because for them, the way to move forward this year is in growing their identity, their culture, the, the style of game that they want to play and all that which was built up over the last month wasn't evidence in the last two games. and so They're going to have to stop that real quick against an Edmonton team that I think we can all agree is playing way better than they did. At the
3: beginning of the oh yeah, no. The for the last two months, the orders have uh, arguably been the best team in the National Hockey League, uh, offensively, just not offensively, but also defensively. And uh, they're not relying heavily on, on Connor McDavid. And like he's only been, not only, but like most of the top players, I was crunching the numbers. Most of the top guys in the league are you know in around thirty six to well Kucherov's forty nine percent this year. But you know you're kind of around there for your top guys in production. McDavid's at forty one he's you know he's not at a high end he's not a low end he's kind of right where he is and uh, i think that's helped Edmonton but more importantly suddenly they're a team that doesn't give up a lot um montreal's been getting very good goaltending regardless who's in there what do you make of the goaltending situation because you look every day there's more goalies getting hurt eric it's unbelievable the amount of injuries to to goaltenders do you see montreal moving one of their tenders before the deadline
5: and I think it's going to be Jake Allen. I don't think that's much of a secret at this point, despite how much of a pro Jake has been with Montreal. Um, you know, you have two guys who are much younger and a, a part of their future. And I think, you know, Sam Montambo got some runway to prove that he could be a big part of the future. And Caden Primo has got an opportunity in them keeping three goaltenders to prove that he could be a part of it, period. And especially a 2 years junior from Montombo, you know, it puts Jake in that situation where he's kind of the odd man out. Now, that said, Jake has played really well, and, like, you could go to the numbers and say, oh, I don't know about that, or or the fact that he, you know, has struggled to win games for them recently. Um, But the way the team has played in front of them, hasn't really given him the best opportunity whereas he has given them an opportunity to win pretty much every time he's been in the net and he's just a consummate professional and at $3.85 million you know I look around the goaltending market because it's been a hot topic since the beginning of the season and I'm sure fans in Edmonton are looking around the goaltending market nonstop for the first couple months like you're either looking it's kind of saturated with unproven choices on one end and on the other um, guys who you would who have a bit of a track record but you'd be taking a real gamble on to believe that they could be better than what you currently have and I'm not just talking about Edmonton; I'm talking about any team considering adding in the goaltending department. where Jake kind of fits in that whole market is a guy that you you know exactly what you're going to get and he's a reliable goaltender an extremely good teammate and a a leader and a veteran and, and just sits in there and been through the motions been a Stanley Cup winner and I just think if you're a team out there with a young goaltender kind of leading your charge and you just want that reliable factor behind him to help support him and also come in and be able to win a game for you, that's what Jake can do. And I, that's why I think this situation will get resolved because there's, an, there's enough teams out there that understand that's what Jake Allen's about. And it, $3.85 million from here to the end of this season and through next season, um, I don't think it's too prohibitive, especially with the gap going up.
3: No, not not at all. And when you see so many injuries around, there's lots of teams that uh, that should be interested. Um, you know, when you look at Allen, do you think he's like a a one A one B, like a split duty guy? Do you think he can still be a starter, or is he just a really good backup?
5: Oh, well, he's he's a really good backup. That's exactly what he is. If, if if for whatever reason an injury occurred and he was thrust into the starter's role, he's not too old to be able to handle that and handle that as well as you would hope somebody would in that situation, but. What he really is, is is, like I said, he's such an exceptional teammate that being in the support role and the veteran kind of presence that he has and the experience he's gained puts him, puts him in a, a favorable position to be able to fulfill that obligation, probably better than a lot of the other options that are on the market.
3: Eric Engels joins us from Montreal. Uh, Eric Slavkovsky, you know what? It, it seems like we're starting to see progress in his game. I, I was a big uh, proponent. I didn't. I don't like rushing players to the NHL, especially teenagers. Uh, it's littered with teenagers that struggle. That's that's obvious to me. But uh, Slavkovsky, I know his, uh, people will look and say, Ah, four goals, fifteen points. But his like he's playing more minutes a night. He's playing, I think, like sixteen or seventeen minutes a night, and he he just seems like he's you know he's starting to come around, which isn't a shock to me. But how have you seen? him on a game-by-game basis. What do you see as the biggest improvement in his game?
5: Yeah, I think we're still like a year or two away from the points representing what he actually is on the ice. And I think his biggest weakness coming into this year was his ability to read the play at this speed and positioning away from the puck and to put himself in position. So he would get the type of quality touches that inevitably with repetition would turn into points at this level. And that's exactly what's happened. He's turned, not only that, he's turned a weakness into a strength. His play away from the puck is not just good, it's representative of why he was chosen first overall in 2022. Yeah. And knowing that, knowing what kind of skill he has, Jason, and like uh, the shot, the body, the, just the, the things that he might be able to do, as he gets more of those touches and starts to focus now on what to do with them. I think he's going to be the player the Canadians hoped they were getting when they drafted him first overall, knowing that at his size, as much as that could be an advantage coming in at 18 years old, it's it's a project because he came over from Europe in, in an area where at his size, he never had to concern himself with playing even at the pro levels. Uh, on the big rink just never had to be concerned about what could come with with playing at this level in terms of the physicality and and just the size and the speed of it all. So, you know, he's always been able to rely on his size and his skill. And now, you know, he's finally worked on, he's been able to work on those things that that I was just mentioning to be able to take advantage of those elements. And he's only going to grow more into his body and learn more how to use it. So I'm the potential is, is, is absolutely there and he's starting to realize more and more of it as we go along
3: you have two 11 goal scorers in montreal one people would say man that's a great year and the other guy people would say well i wish he had more um caulfield has 11 sean monahan has 11 sean monahan to me uh you know every arrow points to him being a really good trade deadline acquisition for for a team although i wonder, like would montreal is there any talk you think of them resigning him or is it a foregone conclusion he's getting moved
5: Yeah, I could say that externally, there's all kinds of talk about it. Internally, I don't know how much talk there is other than gauging what this value would be on a contract. Because I always say this, when you're a general manager in this league or you're a management team evaluating whether or not you should trade a player, the evaluation is always based on what that player is worth to you and what that player is worth on the market to you. Uh, And I think, you know, ultimately regardless of whatever conversation they have with Sean to find out what it would cost to maybe keep him around Montreal, the answer is going to be that the value on the market is probably too high to walk away from. You said it. It's been, it's been a really, really strong year for him. And, uh, you know, you add that guy to any team in the league that's looking to contend and potentially use him as a middle six forward that can pop up and down and play in all situations and with the experience he has and just what kind of character he has. Um, you know, we're looking at a, a trade asset that the Canadians, as much as they appreciate what he does for their group, probably wouldn't be able to turn away from when uh, when that time comes.
3: And uh, what about Caulfield? He's got 53 more shots in the next Ford in Montreal. He's shooting a ton. He's got 147. Is it just bad luck, Eric? Is he shooting from distance too much? What are you seeing?
5: Well, part of it's bad luck for sure. I mean, you don't go to, uh, you know, a shooting percentage that's cratered. You know, in comparison to what your other years at every other level of hockey have been, and and say that there's no luck involved. Obviously, there's some of it. Doesn't mean he can't be better. There's other elements in his game that he's worked on with Marty St. Louis. And I think he's not getting probably enough credit for that. He's becoming a bit more of a complete player. That said, he still has a ways to go in terms of playing without the puck and getting himself, you know, what he's really focused on with St. Louis is getting himself in between coverage. Uh, so that he can get more of the quality opportunities instead of just the volume shots. And I think a factor here is also, like, here's a young player with limited experience in the league yeah. who's coming off a season-ending injury and rehabbing and coming back. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's an experience. It's a learning experience. Do I, Am I concerned that Cole Caulfield will stop scoring goals at an elite level in this league based on what he's done so far this year. Not really. If this were to extend for another season, then we might be having another discussion.
3: Eric, great rundown, man. Uh, Enjoy the game tomorrow. The order's uh, for the first time ever. Uh, We'll try to win. uh, Well, not first time ever. They've tried, but they've never done it. Uh, Won 10 games in a row. So uh, we'll see if they can do it tomorrow night in Montreal, the, uh, the home of hockey. So it should be a good game. Appreciate your time. Take care, That's uh, Eric Engels joining us from uh, Sportsnet in Montreal. Uh, Sean Monaghan, I'm telling you, I, I wrote it about a month ago. Sean Monaghan is a guy like he's a 1.95 cap hit. Are you kidding me? Like it's really good value. Sean Monaghan up until his injury was a bang on 30 goal score. Mark it down. Market down. That's what he was. 30 goals, 60, 55, 60 points. Obviously got banged up, kind of played hurt. This year, if you look at his numbers, because I know there's a lot of hype about Elias Lindholm. If you look at Monahan's numbers, and then you look at Lindholm's numbers this year, what do you see? And if you look at their career, who has more goals? Sean Monahan? Now, Lindholm might be a better defensive f- forward. That's fair. But I'm telling you, when I, when I look right now and I'm hearing what the return is going to be on Lindholm, I think you might get better value for what you have to give up to get Sean Monahan compared to what you have to give up to get Lindholm, I could be wrong, but in a series, if you know if Lindholm's getting you six points and Monahan gets you four or five, or maybe they get you the same, but Lindholm's a little bit better defensively, is it worth way more capital? All depends on the team, but I think Sean Monahan could be a sneaky good trade deadline acquisition for a team. And the other guy, if I was the Edmonton owner, the one player. Now I don't know if they'd trade him. Cause they just re-signed, uh, Nick Felino today. I think they want to have good people around. Jason Dickinson. Now I know in Vancouver, like you go watch Jason Dickinson in Vancouver and you're like, what happened? It was terrible. Like it did not work in Vancouver, but look before Vancouver and now look at him, Chicago. He's playing great. It's $2.6 million cap hit. He would be an unreal third line pickup for the Edmonton Orders. So those are, uh, those are some ones. Now if you have room and you can get a, Like a a legit bonafide, because I still think Edmonton is missing one top six forward. I think they have five. I know Kane's playing on the third line, but if Andrew Kane, I look at his career, he's a top six winger to me. I think they're missing a top six winger. They can find one. Now, if Dylan Holloway comes up from the minors, then maybe you don't need another third liner. We'll see. But I also think they'd like to add a little bit of size on the fourth line. So they got some moves to make. They got some time. But Sean Monahan, I'm telling you, watch out. Watch him tomorrow, Oiter fans. Let me know your thoughts. Quick break. We'll come back. we got uh, Cam Moon. Or sorry, Cam. Uh, Cam Moon. But uh Cam Tate. <laughs> Mooner wishes he could be Tater. On uh, the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 Live and Order's Nation YouTube. Pause of Friday continues on. The Greger Show on Sports 1440 Live. Order's Nation YouTube. How are you? Hopefully you're warm. Stay warm out there. This is where you want to be a, a very good... Citizen, if you see anybody uh, in some stress on the roads, help them out because, man, you do not want to be out there right now. It is not good. And shout out to all of the uh, delivery drivers, tow truck drivers, all the people that have to be outside right now, kudos. Those working outside, trust me, I've been there. And like you probably right now, you didn't like it, but good for you to do it, man. That is uh, the men and women who are out there right now, yowzers, yo. Zers. It's always uh, the Gregor Show. is presented by PlayAlberta.ca, and uh, every time at the, or sorry, every day at this time on Mondays and Fridays, we have a uh, Cam Tate join us with the uh, two minute warning. And Tate, of course, uh, longtime journalist in the city, has cerebral palsy, uh, is in a wheelchair, really good sense of humor, rather witty. Likes to chirp, but, uh, you now at times, uh, struggles for you to, uh, to hear him clearly, but through the wonders of technology now, his, uh, his dream, he's always wanted to be a radio guy. And so, uh, we let him be part of the show on, uh, Mondays and Fridays. Very happy to have him. Um, now he did record this yesterday. I just want, uh, people to know, uh, he wanted everybody to know he didn't record it today. He uh, recorded this yesterday just because he had some, uh, things to, that he had to do today. So, uh, he recorded it yesterday, but I think it's still very timely. Here's the two minute warning with Cam Tate.
0: This is Fast Eddie, reading Cam Tate's words. We've been hearing stories all afternoon on Sports 1440. It has been, unquestionably, the most compelling afternoon of radio I've ever listened to. Tears, laughter, lessons, but most of all, stories. Because that's what John Short and Robin Brownlee gave us for decades. Night? After night, game after game, period after, quarter after quarter, inning after inning, race after race, round after round. John, 86, passed away this morning at the Royal Alex Hospital after a brief stay. Robin, 65, passed away too. This morning after an unexpected heart attack. Both men were incredible wordsmiths who spun newsy color and quotes under newspaper deadlines. John became the first sports talk show in Canada in the mid-80s at CFRN 1260, 9 to midnight, or right after Oilers game where he broadcast the game from the Northlands Coliseum press box. John always had time to talk to everyone. I remember in 1981 when John was PR director of the Oilers. In fact, John was the person who suggests the Oilers issue me two press passes for someone to help me. I use a wheelchair. That practice still is in place today. The last time we saw him last summer, Riverhawks game. John had a full binder of notes and added to them after every pitch. Robin and I worked together at the journal. It was so neat to watch Robin go from this young reporter who covered the Kamloops Blazers junior hockey and become a seasoned reporter in the NHL. We're hurting today, Edmonton. And we wonder what we can do. Honoring these two great men, I think it's keep telling stories in sports. Not only the games, but the people, the characters. John and Robin gave that gift to us. We can give it to them by keep telling stories. And what legacies, but we have to be razor sharp. Haven't just got two great editors. They, they'll be editing our stuff. I'm Fast Eddie for Cam Tate. Rest well, my friends.
3: It, uh, it was a very sad day for sure. Um, also one, uh, at least, uh, I can say for myself, um, having hosted the show, it was, it was challenging. It was difficult. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to tell Al before the show, you know, just because, um, you know, Robin was similar to his, you know, and John similar to his wife and, uh, having gone through that, I didn't think it would have been the best thing for, for him to just kind of drop it on him an hour before a show. So, um. That's why uh, you know we wait until after his show to uh, to announce it on our station and uh, I found it actually uh, very cathartic for myself um I'm much better if I uh, talk about things even if they're uh, tough to talk about I find it just kind of relieves a lot of angst and in this case sadness that doesn't mean it goes away but you know talking about it uh, reading so many of the uh, the texts, there were so many heartfelt messages and we, we got more today and we're gonna get to some of them Um You know, we're not just going to talk about Robin and John one day, especially Rubes, of course, who was a a part of our show twice a week. Um, You know, we're going to have some guests uh, for the next few weeks in his time slot that knew him. And so we can talk sports, but, you know, obviously share a few stories about uh, Bronte, uh, have a few laughs. I really think we might get some shirts made, some Bronte isms. Like, oh, I was, I had so many texts that were making me laugh because I'd forgot, you know, I'd kind of forgotten about some of them, but man, he didn't use it as much lately, but early on, man, pencil neck was one of his favorite terms. And oh God, it would be funny how he would uh, use it. And it was hilarious. It's just, it's kind of an outdated term. You don't use it very often, but it's so like, you know what it means. Right. Like it's a really good chirp without being offensive. That's what I like about it. And it still makes me laugh uh, quite a bit. So there's, uh, we've got quite a few other ones from uh, from Rube's. Cons. Uh, a few of yours that made you chuckle?
4: Mouth breather. I mean, that oh, was yeah. like, like When someone hits you with the mouth breather, like, he uh. kind of takes you back. And then I feel like your first initial thought is, like, you breathe through your mouth. Like, what? Okay. Yeah. That, that one for me was one that definitely stood out. Um I think that I think that would be a really good idea to uh, to keep it going. Pencil neck just ta- that takes me back to like a simpler time, Gregor. That reminds me oh. of like black and white TV shows. It's the only would call them a pencil neck.
3: Oh God, <laughs> it's so like it's true, right? It's it's a term that we don't really uh, have very often anymore. <laughs> but it but you could like even in our ultra sometimes maybe a little bit oversensitive society at times, where some people don't have a sense of humor, they want to get offended by everything. But um, pencil neck, I'm sorry. You, you try to find how that's offensive in any way. I can't.
4: A weakling, according to the dictionary. Yeah, so, exactly.
3: Yeah. Right? It's a, it's a classic line, man. Oh, gosh. It was, uh, it's funny. Uh, real funny. So, uh, we'll miss Rube's, uh, we'll miss his laugh, uh, sense of humor, um, gruffness, all of it. Uh, definitely will be, uh, um, definitely will be missed. We got a lot of texts coming in 833-401-14. 40.
2: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: And Sean, uh, congratulations, by the way. Sean was our winner. He's going to the game on Sunday, courtesy of Epcor. gets the uh, four tickets, so we'll get Sean's uh, first and last name. And then uh, uh, the friends at uh, Epcor will be sending you the tickets, Sean. So uh, check your email in the next uh, day or so, and uh, you'll be going. That's uh, that's fantastic. So, uh, uh, Sean and Con, this sometimes, Con, this is a positive Friday where things you don't even know. So, uh, you know. Sean, like everybody else, just texts in with his name and everything else. Name and email. Cons just goes randomly. Picks a name. Boom. Sean's name comes out. And then Sean sends us back. Uh, my wife and I have been in and out of the stallery with our 10-month-old for the past few months. Just haven't had a lot of luck. This just made our week. Thanks so much. Well, there you go, man. You know what's funny? Uh, that, to me, was uh, that was like a Bronte pick. Because, of course, young Sam spent uh, his first uh, months of his life uh, in the stallery. And without the stallery, he wouldn't have survived. So... I think uh there's uh, there's always some I'm a big believer in cosmic energy at times. Big believer in that stuff. So That's uh that's really nice Sean made our day. And uh we hope that yeah. uh you and your wife and you and your uh, your young child uh things are uh things are on the up and better because uh, as we've talked about on the show before, um the stallery is not a place that uh, you really want to visit, but man when you when to visit, but when you have to go to there, you are so thankful that it's there. I'm so incredibly thankful that it's there. Hey, guys, when did you want the Orders to fix their fourth line in the playoffs rather than another skill top six? I can't see them winning with Ryan Gagne and Hamlin on that line from uh, Brody. Oh, I, I said that. Um, I, yeah, I think they're going to alter uh, that fourth line. I, I think, you know, keep in mind, they got Dylan Holloway internally, right? So there's another Ford. And that means, you know, what if, like, if, who knows, even for the playoffs on his young player, but Holloway's big and fast. Him and Janmark are your bookends on your fourth line? I don't have an issue with that. So, yeah, I, I think they would like a little bit more size and tenacity down there. It's not a knock on the players they have, but good teams have to have a different mix of a lot of different players. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Edmonton doesn't need more offense. They got a lot of offense, and it's spread around. As I, I outlined the numbers, Connor McDavid, when he's, think about this. Last year, Connor McDavid scored 153 points. Crazy. Right? And, uh, he was in on 48% of the Oilers' goals. This year, he's got 56 points. What is he? Sixth in league scoring. And he had a slow start, but obviously he's picked it up a lot lately. But in the nine game winning streak, when the orders are crushing teams, McDavid has 15 points. He's been in on 40% of their goals. He's been on 41% all season. So it's not like, oh, they're on a heater because McDavid's carrying him. In the past, that would be the case. It's not the case right now. Zach Hyman's rolling. Fogel and McLeod had a run where they were on fire. Right? They're, they're getting contributions and points from guys in their back end. Right Now, it's funny because you know the Orders have really balanced scoring despite having Brown with no goals. Right? It happens. A lot of the other guys are contributing. Getting more goals from their back end this year, so that helps. But I think because I because I heard it today, and really that's what spurred me. I was like, uh, they were talking about it on uh, on Sirius, and you know some Eastern guys, and wow, the owners, you know, they saw McDavid's goal last night, so it's like, oh, without McDavid, they can't win. And I'm like, really? And I'm like, well, geez, you know what? I know McDavid's on a heater here. Well, how much is he actually impacting the offense? And forty percent. Guess what? Nikita Kucherov on the season. Has been in on 49% of Tampa Bay's offense. Leads the NHL in scoring. He's having a great year. Nathan McKinnon, 43. David Pasternak, 42. And Artemi Panarin, 43. McDavid's then at 41, right? Pedersen and uh, JT Miller are at uh, 37. Uh, William Nylander is at 40. So if you look at the top 10 scores, McDavid's not grossly ahead. He's kind of right in the middle, which is where your top producer guys are going to be. I think it's hard to think, hey, we're going to have the leading score in the league, but he's only going to be in on 35% of our goals. Well, no, you'd have to have a ridiculous offensive team for that to happen. So that's just kind of how it goes. But uh, I, I agree with you. Offense is not the order's issue. But right now, surprisingly, neither is defense. But I, that doesn't mean that they won't upgrade. There's no doubt in my mind that they are going to look to to upgrade some pieces. I know there's lots of talk about CeCe, but I challenge everyone. Like Now, if you think Tanev is a massive upgrade, okay, I'll disagree on a massive. He might be a slight upgrade, but how much And is he going to play? The guy's a warrior, but he he gets hurt. So that's my concern there. Offensively, there's a lot of guys you could look at that I think could, could be good additions that aren't going to cost a whole bunch. On your on your bottom. Now, Corey Perry would be great because you don't have to give up anything. That's why I think a lot of teams are going to be looking for him. Especially because it's not going to cost you very much in the AAV either. But he'll have his pick of places. But if he wants to go to a place to win, Edmonton's going to be one of the top eight teams. I don't... No doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind that um, there'll be guys... Uh that there'll be a team that if you are Corey Perry and you look around the league right now, A, you're a right winger. That's the other thing. You can easily see where you can slot in on this team. Easily. That's I the easiest thing to see. So I think there's there's lots of positives for Edmonton right now, as uh when you go seventeen and
4: three, that's usually gonna be the case. Let's get to the con oh at yeah, con just one thing here. I just wanted to mention this because yesterday we did have Peter Burgess on as well. Talking about the freezing father donation for the Stollery. On Tuesday, they had $6,500. Uh, today, they got up to 29000 and if you scroll through the donations, I saw Don Ellis, uh, Allison Curry, a couple of people putting in there for Brownlee. So just want to awesome. give a shout out to everyone who donated. And Peter Burgess, what he does, uh, almost $30,000. If anyone wants the link, text me. I'll send it right back to you. Maybe we can raise a little bit more, but uh, just shout out to everyone who donated. FreezingFather freezingfather.org.
3: Freezingfather.org. That is outstanding. Of the year by far. And remember, he plans this ahead, so it's, it's not like you can change. He can't decide, oh, well, how's it looking? What's the forecast? Okay, I'll go out there when it's nice. No, he picks it well in advance. they got to plan everything, takes time off from work, all that stuff. And uh, he camps out for a week uh, to raise money for his young daughter, Elan, uh, who, uh, who passed away suddenly uh, when she was five years of age. Uh, this is his fifth year that he's doing it, and I think it's a remarkable thing he does. So on a positive Friday... If you want to help out Peter, you can definitely do that. Let's get to the con man. Sports 1440 brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling. Now, a lot of people you are going to have furnace issues. When it gets this cold, that's when a lot of problems happen. If yours breaks down and you're in an emergency, call Legacy. No overtime charges ever. That's how you build a legacy at LegacyHeating.ca.